Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin, and I'm here with my brother and co-host, Devin. Hello. Devin, what do you got for us today? If you would kindly open the message I sent you, I'd like you to read a part of this. Um, okay, opening it now. I'll be uh, the Buster Scruggs. Okay. And you be uh, Cantina, Cantina Bartender. Bartender. Okay. <clears throat> I'd like me a splash of whiskey to watch the trail off me, gullet, and keep my singing voice in fiddle. Whiskey's illegal. This is a dry county. Well, what are they drinking? Whiskey. These outlaws. Oh, well, don't let my white duds and pleasant misdemeanor fool you. I, too, have been known to violate the statutes of man and not a few of the laws of the Almighty. You ain't no outlaw, and we don't drink with tin horns. Sir, it seems that you are no better a judge of human beings than you are a specimen of one. Just on brief inventory, I'd say that you could use yourself a shave and a brighter disposition. And lastly, if you don't mind me aspersing your friends, a better class of drinking buddy. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So Devin (laughs) sent me this... uh, script to read but i didn't actually know it beforehand so i was just kind of going off of it and when we got to the end the picture that he sent me didn't have any more after what i read so i was like oh no if he is expecting me to read more i got nothing on my end so better class of drinking buddy that is from the ballad of buster scruggs uh, the, the coen brothers movie that went straight to netflix well, not straight to netflix netflix partnered up with them right to make it and it's uh like a five-part if those who have you seen it no uh, those of you who haven't, um, it's a five-part uh, mini mini stories right. set in the West, That's and awesome. Buster Scruggs is played by what's his name? He's the guy from Old Brother Rout, the other little little dude who yodels. You know what I'm uh, talking about? Uh, I do not. I can't think of his name. But you know him. Yeah. Anyway, he's Buster, yeah. he's Buster Scruggs. Oh, okay. He starts it out, and he's like this <clears throat> happy-go-lucky guy in white, and <laughs> and they and they're picking on him because he looks nerdy. And he goes up and and shoots the hole. He shoots them all. He's a great gunfighter. Oh, nice. Buster Scruggs. Uh, what is that guy's name? I'm looking for them him now. Dun, 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 dun. But I I, I brought that up because um. Uh, oh, Tim Blank. Tim oh, Blank yeah. Nelson. That's yeah, the yeah, little little skinny guy. Yeah, right. Nice. That's Turned cool. it into oh, James a horny Franco's toad. in it. Cool, nice. Yeah, he's in one of the so, stories. Yeah. Tom Waits, Liam Neeson. Oh man, they got all sorts of good people on there. Yeah, Tom Waits is a gold prospector. Oh, he's nice. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I uh, <clears throat> I pick that because our topic today is the longbow video Osage Orange. Right. And I was reading up on the longbow and when it kind of went out of favor with the English, which ended up being like early 1700s. 
That was like the last time it was ever used because mm. obviously the musket and cannon took over. But for hundreds of years, the English used it to fight the French and everyone else. Right. And it was a huge part of their their society, their their culture. Like on Sunday, on Sundays, you couldn't play any other sports, but you could practice archery. You could practice archery. Right, it was always yeah. archery. Mm-hmm. And they actually, it was like every Englishman had to know how to. Right. It was part of your like duty as a, a, a probably like a civilian guard. Right. So you had to practice to keep up your skills because mm-hmm. then if something happened, you'd be pulled in requisitioned as right. you know, yeah. an archer. Yeah. You had to be sharp. So yeah. I was thinking of that and then I was like, man, they, they were done in. And that kind of made sense. I was like, well, musket came in. Right. Then I started thinking of, of, of Osage and the Native Americans using that wood. And then right. I started thinking about um, Empire of the Summer Moon, which is my recommendation, which I'll talk about later. is a book about the uh, Comanche. Oh, right. And they were all horseback fighters and they had bows. So it basically, after it was out of fashion in Europe, right, like we all know, the Europeans and everyone came over right. and just had their muskets and their slow single loading kind of muskets, uh, right? Yeah. Kind of simple stuff. <clears throat> and they thought the bow was old, old news, especially by the time 1800s rolled around right. when the West was really expanding. Um, and n- near and around the civil war before we had the Colt, uh, uh revolver, right. With multiple shots. Oh, it was West. just simple stuff. Right. And you, and, and repeater um, rifles. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, West uh, people moving west, Americans, white settlers could not compete with a Comanche on horseback and a right. bow. Yeah, and they could they could hunt with you know a single shot rifle or you know a long yeah. carabine, but they couldn't. Yeah, I you mean, can't fight. Or right. I mean, you could yeah, f- you reload, but you're not you're not the, the Indians aren't fighting the same way that the British did, right. where they're yeah. lining up and fighting straight and back and forth. Both sides have this like uh, battle honor, right? They're both like lining up. They're both showing their bravery by lining up in front of each other and then exchanging right. rounds and not shooting, you know, not hiding, not shooting commanders, things like that. There's like rules of war, which was etiquette base. And the Indians, Native Americans had nothing to do with that. Like they didn't really they didn't yeah, care they about that. And that's not what their tradition was either. Mm-mm. It was a lot of like horse stealing and, you know, ambushes and things like that and using the land to protect themselves right. and to hide. It was and, quick. It was yeah. moving and they wouldn't, they wouldn't hang around once they did something, right. which was actually um, to their detriment at the end because they, they wouldn't really finish people off. I mean, sometimes they did and very, very brutally and they did some terrible things, but usually they'd kind of whoop you, take some scalps right. and head out and they'd go as far as they could away the opposite direction and they i mean the plain indians that was their thing was to get far far away right and because of the horse that they mainly used and horseback warfare they could get in and out quick but a lot of times they wouldn't finish people off so they they'd come back or troops or american soldiers they'd they'd still have a lot of their force left Mm -hmm. and and they live to fight another day when if if the, the native americans could have just finished them off I mean, they could have, they right. just, they just didn't, th- their thing was going quick and get out quick. Right. That wasn't, it wasn't their goal. I mean, like a lot of times with, uh, <clears throat> with warring parties and things, the goal was to steal horses and mm-hmm. to get acclaim, right? You see, you'd like ride into the middle of the camp and whoop and yell and run around and maybe hit a few people, maybe kill a person I mean, or two, yeah, hit like, a few people with a coup stick and then run out. Like it, then you, you have gained acclaim, like your, your right. honor and your, your, uh, um, your bravery is shown, right? And that's what was important. And that, that it wasn't important yeah. to necessarily wipe out the complete other other side. Yeah, and th- and that obviously is different for every tribe. Um, some of them terrorize the other tribes. Right. I mean, Comanches were nasty. Yeah. They did not 
when they went in, they didn't. They, they took prisoners, but it was women and children. Right. Yeah. They would steal your your woman and, and keep her, and then make yeah. the child a part of their. But every man died, and usually every woman got raped, and right. you know it was a part of it. But I mean, that was right. just there. that was the culture. So every everyone's different. So anyway, that got me thinking, and then I was thinking about great movies and stuff with with uh, good Native American battles, and there's right. one in there where. They're on the plains and they're on a wagon train going across. This is in Buster Scruggs. Yeah, okay. but this is like story four, right? And they meet a, um, uh, a a woman crossing, and her brother dies in the crossing. So it's just her left and this dog and this little dog. And the dog takes off running, and she goes chasing it on the plains, way away from the wagon wagon mm-hmm. train's mm-hmm. safety, which is the safety in numbers, right? The wagon train would all circle up at night, right? But she just went. She was having a good time, and that's when. One of the guys, one of the main guys, goes back to get her. One of the older guys, and he finds her. And then, of course, they look up, and on the hill, it's about the whole line 20, of, yeah, 20 right. braves, or, or you know, I don't know if they were Comanche, but they were definitely on the plane. So it right. might have been, yeah. And it's just a great scene. He's ta- he's sitting there talking about what they'll do to her if they do capture her, right. <laughs> and if he can shoot the main guy, their um, what do you call it? Their will be off. Their chief, or what? Oh, right. The, um, not it's like Mojo, but they're uh, <clears throat> right. They're bad. Uh, yeah, medicine. Yeah, they're bad. It'll be bad yeah, medicine. medicine. If he right. can hit the chief, they'll all think, okay, well, this is some. It's gone terribly wrong. Right. Yeah. This it's is not, not. This yeah, is not, not, not in their favor. Not, yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, and and a funny thing, and I won't give it all up because you guys should all watch it. Um, there's prairie holes, oh, and he right, knows yeah. they're prairie dog holes, and he's like, you really can't run too much on this open land. And this, so he kind of stares and he's shooting at him. They're all coming at him, falling, and. uh <laughs> but great, great bow stuff. They're all shooting, nice. and I think, or maybe it's guns. But just I, lo- I love those those western battles, and right, that's a great, yeah. um, great Coen Brothers movies. And that writing is is just so funny yeah. and good. And and like you said at that time, I mean, with you know before there was repeating rifles, I you know uh, uh, you could shoot several arrows per minute, maybe an arrow oh, every fa- ten yeah, seconds, faster. five seconds, was, yeah, just yep. boom, 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 where it would take you 30 seconds or something to reload and repack. Yeah, and, by the know. time they got to you, that, that was it. <clears throat> yeah. And there, you know, they have all sorts of different techniques, right? Riding in a circle, right? Everyone's shooting from one side and they're just going, so you have people in the back that are reloading and people in the front mm-hmm. that are just do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. So you have a continual line or you get like half of the party shooting and then the other half is reloading. So then it's just a continual stream of arrows and each, right. each, you know, each person shooting, each boy or whoever that is, or each bowman has you know, however many numbers of errors in their quiver. Right. And it's just a continual stream of errors. Right? It's an unrelenting force when you have, when your alternative is a single shot gun, you know, where you have one shot and then you got, yeah. Reload, and, so. and not, not to mention you're terrified. That was a lot of their tech, you know, coming right. straight at you, yeah. yelling, whooping right. and, and coming at you and looking like something that they had never seen at the time. Right. You've heard horror stories. Right. Yeah. You've heard horror, horror stories of, of pioneers going out and getting, you know, massacred, massacred and, yeah, and right. killed, killed and raped and yeah. murdered. And then, you go out there and you finally see them, the big bad, the big yeah, baddies. The red skins and they're- You're like, wow. They're, like, they look crazy, but no shirt, you, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, war but anyway, paint and stuff. That yeah. book is, is great. I guess I can talk about it more later, but- right. uh, it, And it's a good book that shows both sides. It's not all the white man's pure evil and the, and the native is an angel saint. Right, it right. shows that there was a lot of crazy stuff going on and, and the reasons for both sides, what they did. and Right. It's, it's a great book. But anyway, so yeah, mm. I, I was just- Going with bows and thinking of westerns <laughs> and all that stuff, but today I guess we're not really talking about long bows. 
even though right. that's a title, but it's just yep. a self bow. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to talk about the making the long bow video today. And it's out of Osage orange, uh, which is also known as bow dark or hedge apple, a few different types of terms, but it's a, it's a really awesome bow wood. Um, before we started recording the podcast, uh, Devin showed up and had his bow that we had made, uh, from our original bow making class. We both learned and, challenged me to a shoot off before the, uh, <laughs> before, before we started recording. So we went out and we kind of determined we set up a target, maybe about 15 yards away or something like that. And then we each took 10 shots at it. And, uh, we determined that if you hit the target at all, you get a point. And if you hit the designated target that we had, there are maybe a uh, five inch circle rings inside a few different ones. So we would call like, okay, this round we're going to do top left, bottom right, blah, 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 blah. You get three points if you hit that. So Devin did end up beating me <laughs> after being uh, <laughs> not shooting for quite a long time, yeah. and I shoot pretty often. Uh, we were aiming at one one point. We were aiming at a bottom left ring in on the target, and uh, I hit it. So that was the first time I actually hit like from fifteen yards hit inside yeah. the ring. Yeah, we had been hitting the bag every time. Yeah, so yeah. we had gotten every yeah everyone at least a point, and then I hit the ring, so I got the three points. And Devin obviously followed up right behind me and hit the same ring, <laughs> and then my next shot missed just to the left, which is the target was on the left side of the bow, and so I missed the target, so I didn't get a point for that. So <laughs> and then the rest of the rounds up to right. ten, we uh, we both we hit the bag didn't. every time. We right. we never hit the target again. And actually, I was about an eighth of an inch almost about from shooting missing. over the top of the. <laughs> it's one of those shots where it catches the. The actual, just the bag, just have the plastic. And your very first one, I thought actually went under, but it actually was just like right on the grass, boom, yeah. hit the bottom of the target. So, so there you go. <laughs> I will, fun, I will say know. Dustin's bow hits a lot harder. Oh, it's a yeah. much heavier bow. It flies straighter than mine does. Um, I mean, they both would do the job, right. but Dustin's would do the job better. A little bit more right yeah and it's also that was the first bow you've ever made and the one that i made was the one my most recent one which is the one that i made in the video right so obviously it was like a few years of experience and multiple bows worth of experience and using all that to come together to make a bow that shoots better um yeah so we're going to talk a little bit about that bow video today and then we'll talk about bow making and you know, and discuss comments and things like that, that a lot of people have commented on. We had a lot of, uh, a lot of comments on this video and it did really well. It took off pretty quickly. Yeah. That's surprisingly. our, that's our second biggest, I think it's right. our second biggest video. It's got 750 some. Right. A thousand views. Yeah. That's, yeah, it was, it was a fun video and it was one of the ones that we knew from the beginning that we wanted to shoot. It's like when we first started the channel, it was like, we want to do this. We want to do this. Right. You Bows, know, axes, this, knives. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like we should do a bow making video because I had been doing it and Devin knew that that would like, it was interesting. It, you know, shows a process and not everyone does. It's not super common on YouTube. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So we, uh, we decided to do that. It took a while because, uh, making a self bow. So a self bow is a bow that's made from one piece of wood and, end. um, you can have take down self bows so technically you would create a self bow out of one piece of wood and then you would cut the handle and you put in basically a uh, like a sleeve a fiberglass sleeve or something like that where you can put it together in the handle so the handle doesn't need to bend it all so as long as you have a rigid sleeve over top of that you could do it so there is technically there are takedown which means you can take it apart but really a self bow is a bow made out of one piece of wood end to end tip to tip um, as opposed to like a laminate bow, which is made out of multiple pieces of wood all glued together. Um, usually you'll have a riser, which is what your handle is in the middle where the thick wood is. You'll have, you know, a riser made out of harder wood, and then you'll have laminates like fiberglass and other pieces of 
wood and bamboo and whatnot uh, to create your limbs. And then you kind of piece all that together. You might dowel it together to the rise in the middle or just glue it all together and that it creates your, uh, your limbs. But a self-bow is a single piece from end to end. So that, that kind of spreads a lot of different types, you would say, self-bow? Or uh, is it- well, a self-bow is any bow that's made out of one piece of wood from right. tip to tip. So it so could it's be a blank style. It's bow. a blanket. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a blanket statement. Right. So you can have short self bows like horse bows that are going to be fairly short. You might have it maybe four or five feet. It might have curved tips to add more, you know, tension and uh, more some, spring, yeah, more weight to the draw. Right. Recur- recurve, decurve. Um, but but the one <clears> you made and have been ma- making style, we haven't done, you haven't right. done a lot of, lot of heat bending on stuff. So it's, um, that's, I mean, that's why we called it long bow. Right. Not only is that a popular term, probably if anyone, you could ask anyone, name a type of bow, they'd probably think of that right. medieval kind of style English longbow. Right. Um, and technically, like, so what you're getting at is technically it wasn't a longbow. The style yeah. that I made was a flat bow. Right. A self-bow flat bow. Right. Now, it's, you know, a longbow is a similar type of thing, something made out of, you know, it's a, it's a long bow. It's typically the same height as the archer. So you might, for me, I'm, you know, pretty much right on six feet. So I made mine, I think I made it at 68 inches or 69 inches, something like that. So it's just a little bit under my height, but you want it about the same height Mm -hmm. as the archer. And obviously Um, it was made different with different wood. And and it seems to be, we, we got some comments that were, people very specific right that's not a long bow the english long and then they give you the you know they copy and paste the dictionary version of (laughs) right and i mean a long bow a long bow is uh it it's it can be the same thing you know it's a longer style like technically when you think about a long bow a long bow is something that you don't have necessarily recurve tips on so Mm. it's longer so you have longer limbs which they create a, a higher draw weight Right. You can create a shorter bow, like a horse bow or something like that, by having a shorter bow with some recurve to it. So that's adding extra weight to the draw. So you can have a shorter bow that has the same draw weight. So it's got to be a hunting weight, which has got to be forty-five or fifty pounds. Or right. if you're if you're shooting it as you know in a war situation, then you want it higher than that. You know, you want like a something that's going to ideally for the English longbows pierce armor. Right, so it has to be in the air. They had yeah. ridiculously high draw weight bows, 120 pounds, and, 150 pounds. And a lot, crazy. I mean, well, it depends how they were using, but a lot of right. time it was long arched shots. Right, right. To clear a battlefield. It was a distance to, weapon. To, yeah, to, right. I mean, it could go farther than anything else, definitely farther yep. than a crossbow. I was reading some stories about the English and the French fighting, and the French were mo- mainly switched over to crossbow. Because they didn't want to invest in, in certain times. They didn't want to invest the time and energy to train because a good longbow archer took, it was a lifetime right. of training. And, a, cross, Absolutely. and, a, and yeah. a crossbow, you could teach them in a day. Right. Crank, 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 aim here, yeah, point pull trigger. Right. So yep. that's what they invested in. But for, for long battles, it was tough. And there's a story where he, uh, I forget what French king it was, but he just basically said, like, these, these crossbow people are useless and just he was provoked into attacking which right, they wanted because right. they could hit him a lot farther and he, he used his cavalry and actually ran over his own, own just ran through his, his own, own crossbow archery his own yeah like they're yeah, useless right? Archers, get through geez. them and go attack and then <clears throat> in that battle i think it was in the 1300s sometime right. with the, the english had lost like 200 and they lost ten thousand. Yeah, one of those that's things crazy. and like you were saying earlier um you know english archers were trained from 
basically the time that they could hold a bow. So you get different training as far as like, you know, obviously practice shooting at targets to get your aim better, but also just building up your muscles. So, you know, holding up wooden, you know, staves, just holding them up and building up your shoulder muscles. Right. There was a, I don't remember where I heard this specifically, but there was a, um, maybe a show like a, you know, PBS show or something that was talking about, they found a sunken warship that had, um, you know what? I think it may have been Tom who was telling me about it or buddy Tom, who was on one of our, uh, one of our recent podcasts, uh, Tom Simons. Um, but they found a warship and then it had sunk and there were obviously all of the, um, the bodies of the people that were on the ship and mm-hmm. it was an English warship. So then there were like, you know, a bunch of people who had different physiognomy, right? So physiology, they were, so it was like the, uh, they could tell that the archers were archers because their bones and their shoulders and their shoulder blades yeah. were so <laughs> distorted from being oversized. Right. It's like their whole life they were trained to do one thing was right. to be archers, you know, as opposed to lancers or as opposed to cavalry on horses, right? These, these were like, they were specialty and they spent their whole life. And so their mm-hmm. bodies had changed for that. And that's why you hear about the English war bows that are 120, 150, you know, hundred something like that. Crazy. You work, yeah, you work your way up. Yeah, so you'd have to have, I mean, your body was changed over a lifetime of Mm -hmm. practice to be able to shoot something like that and then be able to shoot that now 400 yards, 500, 600 yards. It's like anything. uh, You lift weights or you want to do something. You start at whatever, 50 pounds. Okay, cool. Then you get to 100 pounds. That's And then, you know. Yeah, eventually it's nothing. Five years later, you're doing 200, 250. And then, I mean, obviously the normal person wouldn't be able to pick that up, but they've been working that for five, 10 years. Right. So, um you want to do uh, the video summary or kind of how you sure yeah so I'll, I'll you, talk through the yeah. video a little bit and then talk through the process of doing a self bow specifically in Osage which is what I did in this video so uh, with Osage Orange the first thing is that Osage grows really curvy or bendy because Osage was trained over the years to uh, to be like a hedgerow which is why they're called hedge apple so uh, they would be planted between fields to basically put up a wall to keep in livestock, and they're really spiky. They have spikes on them, and then they they kind of train them. They you know plant the ones and replant ones that were very bendy. So then they'd all crisscross. They'd make a natural fence. Um, so. Uh, to find Osage that's straight is a little tricky. Uh, you, there was, fortunately for me, where my in-laws lived in Virginia, they had uh, across the road from their house was an orchard and the property there, the people we knew, they had a whole grove, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe 500 yards long by 100 yards wide. Mm. And it was just this little stream running through and there were just hundreds of Osage trees in there. Um, so I had I'd harvested a bunch over the years and gotten the, the most straight I could get. Different thicknesses, things, obviously, um, not obviously, but when you're choosing a wood to make bow stays out of, you usually want to look for something that is about maybe eight or nine inches in diameter. So it's a pretty big branch, you know, or a pretty big trunk of a tree. Right. And then also on top of finding that, you also want to as an, like an environmentalist harvest the wood appropriately, hmm. um, which you don't necessarily, if you don't have to cut down a whole tree, you know, you might take a branch or you might take something like a branch that is, uh, impeding the growth of other branches. Do they, like that. do they have branches that big? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, really? be, and so Osage so grows add, because add, it grows really bendy. It'll like kind of grow out different things. And, and like, if you can find one where you get a bunch of branches all bending and then one growing straight up from the middle, right? That one's trying to reaching, reaching up for the sun. So I would and, look for something like that. And you kill it. <laughs> Cut Stop it off. Stop trying right. so hard. Yeah, right. Well I mean, done. You know, right. And then, but not take, you know, 
so many branches from one tree, right? So it could still live and reproduce, and then right. make and and thing. in the in this type of hobbyist thing, you're right. not clear cutting a hundred acres of exactly. Osage. Right. Even if you did decimate that whole hedge, it wouldn't do anything. They they'd rebound. I mean, you don't want to exactly. You want right. other people to be able to harvest the resource, right? Yeah, but you know, you you, you could spend all all month there and you still right. wouldn't be able to cut it down exactly not pieces. so much right exactly and that's the other thing too it's like not only were there you know it was a good selection of trees but i i mean there were maybe only 20 percent of those trees that may have had straight limbs and then out of those 20 percent, there may have only been 10 percent that had a really good the correct size right so that's all to say that basically i found a few over the time that my in-laws lived there and i was able to harvest quite a bit so i have you know uh, several staves, um, which I showed in the video, I kind of pulled out several different staves and ones that have, you know, that have been aging over quite a while. Uh, so I choose a stave first. So a stave is basically you split out a, uh, you take, you take your limb and you split it down the middle. Now you really want to split your, your wood. You don't want to cut it. You want to split it and let it, you know, uh, put wedges in and run the wedges down so it actually splits the wood so that way it runs with the grain because you want the grain. The grain is what adds strength. And how long do you uh, let it season? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can kind of so if you're just going to let it sit and season depending on where you are and the, the you know uh, the acclimation to the temperatures and moisture like I'm in that we I have the mine in the basement which is kind of damp so that it would take longer for it to season. Right. But I mean if you can. If you can cut staves, you know, cut down your your limb, split out staves. Uh, the first thing you want to do is put you know paint glue or latex paint on the ends of those limbs, uh, and then because the moisture is going to run out of the ends of the limbs first, so you want to paint those with glue or paint uh, so that way it stops the moisture from running out and stops it from splitting at the ends, and then you want to let them sit for a year, or I mean I would say the minimum probably like six months. Um, but if you're in an area where you have say like a wood stove in your house, you could kind of lean it up against the corner and like, you, or hang it up above the wood stove, you get extra warmth so that it would like, then it would, it would uh, season it quicker. But if you're just going to put it into a space, you know, the longer it can season the better cause it's going to dry out, but then you can check for moisture levels and things like that. You could, there are different moisture meters you can check for. Um, but the one that I used in the video had been seasoning for, I would say at least five years or so. So it had been quite a while. Right. So you, you got a bunch of them on your wood rack over there. Right. Yeah. And you go through and you pick, we pulled out three and you pick the one. Yep. And on the video, I, I was watching it. That one, you saw something I didn't. It, that one looked funkier, more right. warped, but you saw that it would be easier to just turn some of those warps. Right. It's kind of an easy thing other than turning the whole thing. Right. If exactly. the end is a little wampus. right you do the the heating and oil yep. technique which we did right right and so so you pick that that one. right so i picked one and like you said yeah the one that i looked at it didn't have a huge twist in from tip to tip it was a little bit but not much it had like a bend yeah it was there was a bend like a left to right bend but i could see it was kind of in one spot like you said i could kind of heat up a small spot and correct that bend there was a little bit of twist from tip to tip and i could correct that just with a little bit of you know stuff here and there as opposed to one of the other ones would look which looked better and looked really clean it had a knot in it which i wasn't super happy with um and it also had like a continuous bend throughout the whole thing so i knew if i had done that i'd take it take a lot of bending a lot of you know heating a larger area of the of the bow to be able to bend it back into place um 
So you take your, you pick your stave uh, for Osage. The way Osage, uh, the the way that the the tension and compression works on Osage is that you want the heartwood, the orange wood on Osage, and you don't want the sapwood, which is the white wood. And usually you're going to get about, you know, a, half, a quarter of an inch to like three-eighths of an inch, maybe all the way up to a half an inch of sapwood. You want to remove the bark and remove the sapwood first. So then you're down to heartwood, uh, which is the orange wood underneath. Now, to create a strong back of the bow, the back of the bow is the part that faces away from you when you're, when you're shooting a bow. Uh, the belly of the bow is what faces you. So if you imagine a person and they're like leaning forward, right? They're crouching over their back is what's facing away from them. And the belly is facing toward them. And that's the way the bow would be shaped like a C shape. Hmm. So to create strength in Osage and in all long bows, really in all, all bows, you want to have some type of complete layer of something on the back of the bow. So that way when you're stretching it, it's a solid layer of strength. If you have multiple layers or, several growth rings, which I'll get into, then you have a spot where it could split up like, you know, a splinter up. So you want to create that. So with Osage, you need to find a growth ring and then you need to take away material down to that growth ring all the way across the entire back of the bow, which is the hardest part of working with Osage. The hardest and longest. And longest. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Right. Because you really have to take your time. Um, I prefer to use a draw knife, which I think most people do. Um, And then the draw knife that I use is one that I keep um, I don't sharpen it as often as my other draw knives because I don't want it super sharp, which I talk about in the video too. You know, you want to be able to use that draw knife to kind of cut down into the wood, but not it's not so sharp that if you just give a little bit more oomph here and there, you're going to just cut down into another ring and then you got to start all over. Yeah, and I'll say, um, having re-watching it, it seems like you're doing the same process over and over, but it's, it is a slow process yes. to do the... To, it's so it seems like you're doing like oh he's going to use this tool for a while and then this tool and this no he's going right. to use that one and that one that one and go back and that one that one that one right yeah. cabinet scrape scrape <clears throat> this this uh yeah draw right. knife and uh the first 20 30 or 20 minutes it's, right. it's the same it looks like the same thing kind of right and i was like man this this is taking forever but it, it all the parts i i now think about it we didn't cut it out because right. you you got to see that it takes a long time that it's not yeah. just quick um or that quick that that yeah. type of wood like maybe a hickory bow would right. be where you don't have to fuss about yeah. or or you something like that with mm-hmm. where you can you know you can leave that material not, uh, but not you age, but you you y-e-w <laughs> you <laughs> you take the english you. long bows uh <laughs> yeah so so you have to chase what's called it's called chasing the growth ring so you have to cut down into you know through through several growth rings until you find one that's complete it's a nice even one it might be kind of thick in a certain spot um, and then you cut down to that growth ring and the growth rings are they're delineated between early growth and late growth so early growth is like early in the year when the sap is running and the tree is growing fast you get a, a whiter pulpier kind of uh, almost like waffly pattern inside that growth ring and then in the later part of the growth ring when it gets into summer and fall and winter, when it's the growth is slowing down, then you get this like really dense, really hard uh, part of the growth ring. So it makes it fun and easier to actually chase that growth ring because you can feel the texture when you're draw when right. you're using the draw knife. You can feel that kind of crunchy waffleness in that in that early growth, and you can just cut that off, and then it just slides over the late growth. So that's a, a really nice way to kind of go down into that. And I mean, I learned this process from watching YouTube videos. Um, I think really the one, one guy who I really looked at a lot was Clay Hayes. He does some really awesome stuff. And I, 
I can't remember, but I think I may have recommended him in one of our earlier videos, but, um, but he, you know, he kind of does, he did a whole series of creating Osage bow. And so he talks about that. Clay Hayes. Clay Hayes. Is he a YouTuber? YouTuber. Yep. He's a YouTuber and he's a hunter and, you know, and then also does like, uh, bow making and hunting classes and things, but I get him on. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but he was really, he's really one of the only ones that I'd found consistently that does a lot of bow work on YouTube. There are some other really good videos of some like professionals or some, uh, kind of masters or experts in their field in bow making. Right. But clay is one of the ones who does it consistently, does multiple bows and things. Yeah. Talks about it. Um, so you're chasing growth ring. Once you get down the whole back, you have your growth ring all the way, uh, chased all the way. And I, I focused on some in the video where there are pin knots, which are like little knots in the wood that are going in and they're creating little holes in that growth ring. So I was leaving, uh, a layer above that a layer two, right? A layer two, like little topographical maps, <laughs> the yeah. little tiny mountains. So I was like, when I first looked at this day, I was like, this one looks good, right? There's no knots in there or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. You were like, there's like one little pin, one knot, pin here. knot right here. That looks good. And then you work on it and uh, then you come back and you're like, well, like days the most later. pin knotty <laughs> post day I'd ever worked with. I was like, oh, come on. Every, like, I think I said in the video, I think the, the biggest distance between two pin knots was something like 11 inches <laughs> over the, over the 60 or 72 inches, whatever it was that I had started off with and chased all the way. It might even more like 78 inches. Yeah. Can you imagine being a, uh, a European English bow maker coming over and they're dealing with Osage bows like, oh, this is what brutal. Is this? <laughs> what do I have to do? Oh <laughs> my gosh. No, I'm good. Yeah. And Osage was something that a lot of the Native Americans used because of its, you know, its tension and compression. So the heartwood, mm. so tension and compression, uh, tension is, you imagine like stretching like a rubber band is under tension and compression is uh, something like being pushed down. Yeah. So yeah, compression. Yeah. So you compress. So when you're bending a bow, when you're drawing it back to you to get ready to shoot it, the back of the bow, which is facing away from you is under tension because it's stretching and the belly, which is facing you is under compression. So different woods have different, uh, you know, tension, compression, compression cap capacities in different parts of the wood. Right. So you have to figure out your, your best the best wood in your area. Right. And probably no matter how hard it is or, or difficult to work with, you're still probably going to pick the best one to shoot with. Right. Right. The yeah. one with the best kick to it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, that's as a, as a bow maker, um, as a boyer, you're always looking to, I would say like face a challenge or do the best. I mean, I think most craftsmen, right. If you're going to do something, you want to try to do it the best you can. Uh, so, Osage is, is one of the better woods that we can find on the East coast of the United States. So that's the one, you know, I, you it's try. Seemed interesting to me and I had, and I, it was the resource that I had access to as well. It's like, yeah, it's when you start out with something, you, you start with the simple things. Right. I'll do this. I can carve this one. And then there it, your, your chart of time it takes to do it right. and quality of what it is kind of it doesn't mean it just keeps going up right yeah it's like a good steel or something like damascus or something right. like that you start eventually i want to try that right it's gonna be difficult but i don't know if it works any better but it looks greater or i want right. it for a certain reason yeah there's a, there's a certain like you know a goal to shoot at a target to shoot at if you will oh. <laughs> that you know most people most craftsmen want to aim at that right you always have something that you're going to try it's the next best thing or or you've gotten to that point, and then now you need to try a new way to do that same thing. Right. A, a quick aside, when I was looking for quotes, you know, sometimes I'll search 
whatever we're going to talk about, like uh, quotes about bows, quotes about axes, stuff like this. And there are so many corny, like when I, when I, like archery quotes, right. it's all like, if you're going to aim for the target, <laughs> shoot straight, and shoot aim straight through. and aim for your dreams. <laughs> your target is the heart of why you, it's like, ah, these are terrible. <laughs> those are sappy. <laughs> I was like, I right, forget. It. I'm not doing any of these. Yeah. Right. I Give mean, me an old West. I was old thinking West the Western scene. thing and I was like, oh, that's cool. I was, like, I was reading that. I was like, what voice am I going to do? I just started off. Hey, like, well, hey, well, there's no whiskey here. <laughs> the old I think they were more gruff in the. Oh, right. I don't think I'm like the, an old, they were old very, prospector. They were old very. Prospector. They, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. they were very dirty looking. And oh, the, yeah. that's why he was oh, like, your nice. friends here. Like. Hi, fellas. Like, he just walks in all happy, and then, of course, they're mugging him, and then he doesn't want to fight him, but he does. Right. You got to do what you got to do. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so I chased a growth ring, so I got it all the way down, had some, some like, mounds over my different pin knots, so gave it some extra strength. And that's something that I've learned throughout the years, and I've seen other other boyers do. I've seen bows in person done that way, and I've also seen people online do it that same way. So it's one of those things that I've kind of learned in person and through YouTube videos. Um <clears throat> So then that's, that's kind of the, that's the initial hard work is chasing that growth and getting down to a really nice clean surface. That's going to be the back of your bow. And then you don't want to kind of leave that alone and don't touch it. So then after that, you kind of mark off your dimensions. And I, I have a set of dimensions that I use, uh, that I have on the video that talks about, you know, how the handle length and then the flare out from the handle on both the top and bottom limb and then how far it goes out at a certain width and then all the way to the end. So we kind of trim it down to the right width first, get it close. Right. Um, and I did that on the bandsaw because I have a bandsaw, but I've done it also in the past with a hatchet uh, and draw knife. And draw like, knives like we did in the class with the hickory. Right. right. Um, and then once you kind of get down to that, the right dimensions of the actual back of the bow, the width, uh, and then um, you then you can draw out the depth of the bow. So basically from back to belly, how wide you want your limbs at certain points. And I have the measurements of that as well. <clears throat> so tapering from the handle into the fade out and then into the limb. Uh, then I marked all that off with measurements and then I cut that down from the bandsaw. So basically removed all the material that I could do uh, within, I'd say like a 16th of my measurement lines. So I knew that was like all my measurements were based off of a final measurement plus 10%. Right. right. So I knew my measurement line, I could go outside of that, then rough, shape down to the measurement line and then go from there down to my tillering. Uh, so I had my, my bow shape. Um, and that point I have, you know, wide, fairly wide limbs and fairly flat from end to end. Uh, so then that's when I wanted to make any adjustments to the bow. So I had to figure out, um, I guess before that I had to figure out what length I wanted the bow, cut the bow to that and then set my drawing for my handle and all that. So I have my handle real quick. Yeah. If you're starting out, don't start with Osage, like we've been saying. <laughs> start with Hickory, because Hickory, you basically start here, where right. he's discussing now. <laughs> All that before, you don't have to worry about it. No, do any of that. You just start right here. <laughs> just start here, because once you take that bark off, it's right. ready to go. Yeah, and yeah. And you cut it down to shape, and you're now here. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you have to remove the bark, but then there's no chasing of a growth ring and all that. Yeah. All right, um, sorry, good. <laughs> but, you know, another thing with Osage, because it's so bendy, now I had to determine where I wanted to make changes in the bow. Um, so I was doing it while it was still thick. It had plenty of material. I wanted to move that material while it was thick. Um, and the process that I used, which I learned from other YouTubers, was to 
oil the bow where I wanted it to bend and then use dry heat basically. So a lot of people will build steam boxes and you can basically create a long thin box uh, that you can then attach like a, um, a tea kettle, you know, electric tea kettle, which put water in, you create steam, you put your bow or whatever wood you want to bend in the box and you fill up the box and let it heat with steam inside. So everything gets really loose. So you have the glue inside of wood, which is called lignum. It's basically like wood is base is basically straws, tons of little straws that soak water and it moves back and forth. And then they're all connected, uh, together with lignum, which is the glue that holds them together. Um, Osages has really long grain. So like long stringy grain, which is what makes it so good for bending. <clears throat> so when you heat out that lignum, it becomes like a soft glue. So it goes from hard to soft and then you can bend and shape wood. And then when it dries and that lignum dries back again, then it, then it hardens back up and it'll stay in that shape. So I wanted to, to do some adjustments. So I heated right around the handle and used some weight, which is another thing that I had seen and also kind of came up with a little bit of my own. Um, I wanted the wood to move a certain distance and instead of having to heat it and wait until I thought it was ready to bend and then just bend it. Um, I put a clamp onto the bow at the end, uh, like a quick clamp with an extension on it, and then was able to put some weight on the end of that clamp. Which is one of the advantages of keeping all that that wood on there right. and not trimming it down first. You have a lot to clamp onto right, and, yeah. and, and crank it. Yeah, so I was able to sort of put a clamp on, put some weight on the end of the clamp so that way it would naturally want to bend it. The weight wants to bend the wood in that direction. And then I start heating the wood, oil it where I want it to go because the oil helps the heat to penetrate into the wood and then heat it with a heat gun uh, and then just keep heating it until it bends on its own. And I put, if you see in the video, I put up a ruler next to where the weights are so that way I could see the, the amount of movement that it was happening. So... You know, it was, if it, I said the ruler, random, random measurement, say it was at six inches, I'd want it to drop down an inch and a half or two inches or something yeah. like that. Right? I think the first bend, or what was it the second? It went from like eight to five. Right. And that was one of the coolest time lasts. Yeah. I think, think we, we, a real tight close up of the tip of, of, and you see it dropping. Right. It's only bending. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, you're getting like no bend. I mean, you're getting a little bit of that initial bend just from the weight you know, springing down, but then it doesn't actually bend at all until you start heating it. And after you're heating it for a while, then it's, then you've like softened that glue inside the wood and it starts to move and then it starts to move pretty quickly. Right. So then you can see it, you can watch it. <laughs> it's just moving literally every five seconds. It's moving a little bit. You're watching right. it go down right. slowly and then you just keep warming it and you stop when you want. Now, so you're going to get a little spring back in wood, like anything you're going to bend it. You want to bend it a little bit past where you want it and let it come back some. Um, so I did that to, uh, one of the ends was twisted a little, so I had to straighten that out. So I did that. Uh, there was some bend throughout the length of the bow, um, like a left-right bend. So I wanted to straighten that out some. So I heated near the handle and bent that. And then there was a, um, a little bit of uh, twist at the end where I had to go correct around a pin knot. So I heated that up area and, and bend it and uh, straighten that back out. So then once I once I did all that, everything was straight to the point where I hap where I wanted it. Um, I tested it with a with a string to see where the string line was, and it was really good at that point. Uh, then I got into tillering. So, tillering is what it's called when you are removing all wood that's not part of your bow. So, you're basically taking off wood on both limbs slowly and evenly, and then bending the bow and watching it bend. Um, so I started out with floor tillering, which basically you're just taking some material off and then you're pushing it on the floor one tip and you're bending it with just the weight of your body. You're watching it bend. So you're looking for anything that's that's doing like a severe bend more than anywhere else. You want to make sure everything's bending even. 
ideally, because then you're you're stretching that uh, tension out and compression over the entire limb, so the entire limb is working instead of just like one area that's bending. Then that's the only area that's working, and it's going to get overworked over time, and it's going to snap over time. Right. So then, it yeah, it's it's from there. I mean, you keep going, but it's you're working on that for pretty much until it's mm-hmm. done. You're bending, right. looking. Bend. There's different ways of bending. You're bending yep. it with the other and then you put it up on your tree. But right, you work on that for a while, and that that's like ten minutes. Of the video It's just yeah, exactly. And there was actually a really good time lapse of me working, mm. uh, clamping it in my vise and putting it up on the tillering tree and bending it. And I think it probably it may have been a half an hour or so of me tillering. Yeah. And, and when I'm tillering, I mean, I'm only taking off a little bit of material at a time. Right. So I'm back up on the tillering tree, which is just a piece of wood that has a notch in the top and the notches on the side. So you can put your bow on top and then stretch your, your bowstring down, put some tension on it, leave it into a stretch position so you can back up and look at it and you can assess where, where in the limbs are, is it bending or not bending? Yeah. That was one of our, our yeah. longest time lapses, I think over. Yeah all our videos, but it was cool. It was, it was great to see. And some of those things you have to keep in to show, all right, it's taking a long time. That is the advantage of time-lapse. We try not to use a lot because uh, you you don't get much information out of it. But that is one of the things you If you're just time-lapsing a whole thing, like, oh, he's doing this now and doing that, then you kind of lose any, any speed. What's he really doing? But that we've seen you work on it real time. And then it's like, now it's, the information it, it, it is giving you is that it it takes a long time. Right. It's not just going to be two or three times testing right. it and then it's good to get Right. So that – I mean, I'm testing the, it 50, 60 times. Right. That, that specific um, part, it, it wouldn't have been right to shoot it because I would have, like, chopped it up a little bit and edited it, like, real time. Right. Shouldn't you do it, like, three or four times and then skip <clears> to the next thing, kind of? Yeah. And people wouldn't have known. That's why people do ask all the time, how long did it take? Because right. you can't really necessarily tell exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important just for for people who are thinking about content creation on YouTube is to, to know your audience and know what information you want to give them when it's important to do time lapse and when it's important to do close ups, something that you do really well, um, that we, that we try to focus on is like giving enough information, but not, not, uh, pausing anywhere really too long, which will then, then, yeah. you know, you have to keep it moving. It can't become a it lecture. Moving, yeah. Cause as soon as it, as soon as there's that, that space where someone is like a little bored, then they're going to pull out their phone if they're watching <laughs> TV or they're going to look at their or watch or they're going to look across or, the room. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Then all, then you lost them. Yeah. We all, and we all have a million distractions yeah. now. And this is one of our longer, what, maybe our longest, it's yeah, like 49 be. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And it was, you know, I really like that time lapse specifically because, over that, that over the time lapse, you you really were able to see the limbs bending differently. Mm-hmm, From the mm-hmm. beginning, the right limb was bending more, and the, it was it was already had some pre bend to it, so it was kind of compensating for that. And the left bend was left limb was pretty straight, and then by the end of the time lapse, they're both bending almost evenly. <laughs> right. You know, I had to still had to take a lot more material off to get them bend further and bring the draw weight down, but I had them both to the point where they're bending really evenly. And then as I drew it down, you know, you go from one having a funky curve and one being straightened up, pull right. down on it, and they're just this perfect D. So, so I was like. That's really I'm nice gonna to see that. Uh, uh, jump you to the next part. Yeah. When I was watching you start to <laughs> bend it and start to uh, pull it off of the uh, the weight. What's that? The, yeah, the, the scale. The, is yeah. that it? Right. The no, weight where scale. Is it? Yeah, it's right on the other side of that. We're in the shop now, and we're, we're looking right up here. at the the rafters. 
<laughs> you could hear it. You hear the video tells man, that thing's squeaky. Yeah, it's a, it's an actual like a um, a meat scale or something. It's got a hook on it. You find them at antique stores. Do it, stores. Do it Usually, one more time. This should be wait, wait. This should be the sound next time you give me trivia when I get something wrong. Go ahead. It's <laughs> <laughs> right above me in the shop. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so man, I watching it again. I had anxiety just like I did at the time. <laughs> Like, like uh, you see someone doing it, pulling the bow for the first time because it can. Yeah. Even the even the best um, boyers, yeah. boyers, yeah. Break that's, bows, that's when they break yeah. bows. Yeah, I have another one right above so us it, here. That it, I I feel broke. Yeah, me. I feel like it's it's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that show? Uh, I forged in, no, not forged in fire. Yeah, is that the competition show? Forged yeah. in fire. Yeah, like where they bend or they chop. Where oh, they yeah, bend yeah, the things exactly. at the end. Whatever one uh, that is, it's just like. Oh, what? Like no one would ever bend like that. Why would you test it like well, that? Well, that's like yeah. In the uh, knife making in the ABS, the American Bladesmith Society, one of the tests for to basically test the heat treatment of your knife is to be able to bend it ninety degrees without it breaking. Ugh. If it breaks, it's too brittle and it's not heat treated correctly. Or if it bends really easily, it doesn't come back to a certain right, then it's too right. soft, right? So it has and to be able it, to. And it's great for yeah. the TV show, and it's great for that. Like yeah, yeah if it's right. done right, it should. But as someone watching, <laughs> Anxiety. it's like. You, you would never do that with your I knife. It, you shouldn't have to. Don't even try. Right. It's not, not worth it. Right. Even if it's not up to that standard, right. it can still be a great knife for pretty much everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so that's, the same that's thing. That's the elite. So you know, I, people who are doing I that, felt so, that yeah. with the bow, that was like the bend. I mean, it's constant <laughs> every time. But you got to. You got to keep pushing. Yeah. You got to keep trying. Keep stretching it out. <laughs> and you kept, he, Devin kept saying that during the filming. Was like, well, take it easy. Take it easy. I was like, all right, all right. Like, we got all it. Right, that's enough. That's enough. I'm like, oh. and it's funny because as I was watching it back, I was having some of that anxiety, <laughs> like remembering you saying that, but then also watching me as not me doing it because there's a complete difference from you actually bending i can feel the tension on right, the bow i can feel how right. much it's it's pushing back against me i'm not really killing it with you know bending it i can feel it it's like when someone else is driving crazy <laughs> right and you're in the passenger side because you have no control you're just like yeah, I, exactly. I, I take it whoa, whoa, whoa and you're like i got it i'm fine what's wrong like <laughs> <laughs> right yeah backseat driving right exactly you're, you're, bending not, you're that out of bow. you're like i got it i'm right hey, don't worry but oh just rewatching. I was anxious. <laughs> He's like, we don't, I don't want to have to film all of this all over again. Let's just keep right, that going. Like That's enough days. Bends. Six days already. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I was like, if you just get to, to the, the end, end, if you're going to yeah. break it at the end, break it at the end. That's still a complete video. <laughs> I'll do it now. Right. But exactly. don't break it. Done. But you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, right? You know, I'm, I'm going through the whole process the way I would do it in real life. So that way it actually works the correct way. Um, and so I did that in the video. Um, and you know, finished the tailoring process and got pretty much to the end and had the, had the draw weight where I wanted it. Everything was down to the point where I wanted it and I was happy with it. And so I was ready to, you know, move on and do the finishing of the video. So then the way I finished is I actually just, I, I cut the knocks into the end of the limbs. And then once the knocks were cut, then I was able to put on an actual bowstring, which I made. Um, and that we actually did that in another video, which we shot. So we didn't do it in the actual video, but I was able to put it on, string it up and then test the draw weight and test the, test the, uh, the draw length and all and get it to the way I wanted it. Yeah. Um, and then just finish the ends, the tips of the bow. Um, I was able to finish with just some decorative stuff. And I actually did on the top of the bow on the bottom and the top, I, I tapered both ends to kind of these like feather shapes, but on the top limb, I actually cut in a uh, little feather details. Cause I thought it would be nice to have something like that, which is a, just kind of a fun signature thing, but it's also, um, a way for me to easily identify what's the top of the bow. Right. That way when I'm stringing it and using it, I'm not shooting it upside down. That was, that was a nice part. I think in the video, Right, it, it just went silent for a long time because I there was 
the explanation part was over. Right. We know what you're doing. We can see. If you're shaping the top, we can see it. Right. And it's also nice sometimes, I think, to see something develop and not have the explanation of what it's going to be beforehand. Right. Just like, oh, what are they, what are they doing? All right. Uh, oh, it's like the discovery. It's yeah, like right. Any, yeah, I didn't talk about it beforehand. And right. any yeah. great... Uh, some shows, that's what they do. Or let's say like a Bob Ross thing. Right. He'll work on something. He'll talk about it. But then you'll be like, oh, that's why he was putting that in the background. Yeah. Because then he talks, right. okay, now it's a tree, right? Here, I got yeah. this here. You start to see it. And, and yeah, like you said, you kind of let the viewer experience that and then get to the end on their own without explaining it every time. Right. Um, and something that I actually saw later in the video, which is really cool, was like I was talking about something, but it, you weren't focused on me talking. It was something happening. And then we cut like two or three shots back. You cut to me talking about it. So it like went through a few different shots and yeah. then I was talking about it and it was really nice. And it like the sound was really clear and we were outside and it, it was just a nice like edit and, you know, something that you do, which I, you know, I would see all the time. These are really nice edits and things you work out, but you know, in, in the, in the mix of actually doing it, I don't think about it so much. So yeah, it's trying to get, um, as much content as we can squeezed into. Right, yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of times like, all right, there's a, like a two minute explanation. I, I have to, when he's saying what he's going to do, I, we got to start. Right. The video's already 30 minutes. I got to shit. We <laughs> right, can't exactly. have another moving, two minute moving. section of, of talking. Just me talking. We got to right, have yeah. the show it under. It, all, it also, it's, it's nice to see it as someone's talking yeah, over it. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and you do that back and forth, which is always nice. And one of those other things that I talk about, you know, or that we we want to focus on, and like, if you're going to start a YouTube channel, think about how you're going to vary up what you're seeing. So it's not always someone talking, and then you're seeing it talking, seeing right. varied up, right? Sometimes it's like we we prefer not really to do. We don't we don't ever do voiceovers. It's always if it's a voiceover, it's me in the shop talking about something I just did, yeah. and you're filming me. Yeah, and then you might use that audio over top of another shot. And that, so, that's then, that's a uh, yeah. necessity thing um, because right. you're you're not with me when I'm editing. A lot of YouTubers edit themselves, mm -hmm. so they think oh, I should have said this, and they jump right, on. Okay, in, yeah. here I'm. Uh, you can see I'm doing that. <laughs> Happy little tree. Yeah, here and then. Oh, oh, that was a mistake. You can see there. All right. It's by the time I'm editing, I don't have you there to. Right. So we just do yeah. it while we're we're going. Yeah, and I don't think or, or, I sometimes we. will if it's something we want where you're like explaining it with your hands and stuff, I'll right. do like a wide shot. But a lot yeah. of times if I get in real tight on you and have you start to talk about something, that's my clue to go, okay, I think I wanted this as a, because it's too tight. Right. I'll show that you start to talk about it real tight. Like, hey, so I do this and then I'll jump to a shot of what Yeah. I'm and we'll about usually talk up. about that sometimes yeah. before you just start to discuss something. I'll just yeah. say, hey, this is a uh, kind of voiceover part. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. And then, again, it's like, I have that, um, I'm in the same mindset as working because we're in the shop and I'm in the middle of doing something so that I'm looking at the camera and talking about what I'm doing, which is the same as if I were actually doing it and talking about it. So it comes across the same way. It doesn't feel like a voiceover. It feels like an action shot or, and then you see me and then it's like, you know, it may have been something that where I just did it. And mm. instead of talking about it while I'm doing it, I'll talk about it afterward. Right. And kind of walk you through the process. So it's a little bit of a voiceover, but it, it yeah. still has that same feel being in the shop the whole right. time. You're right there. Like we love that feeling of you being in the camera. You're the camera. You're the student being right there in the shop with right, me doing right. stuff. And yeah. a uh, <clears throat> little quick tip. Right. Dustin's always looking into the, into the lens. And YouTubers, you should look at the lens. A lot of modern mm -hmm. um, setups, they have a display. Right. And they're looking at the display. You're looking at yourself. So they're constantly yeah. looking slightly off camera, which mm -hmm. is a little disconcerting. A lot of people don't notice, but you, for some reason, you're like, that looks a little weird. Why Why is this a little funky? It's because they're 
not looking at you. It's like someone looking at your forehead. Right. You don't notice, but then you're like, that doesn't seem right. Right. Exactly. A lot of people a little and, and then also, when you're watching yourself, you compose yourself a little differently. Yeah. You can tell absolutely. when people watch themselves, they try to get like an angle. Right. And they're yeah. slowly adjusting things like they're, they lift <laughs> they're, their chin up. Yeah, right. Don't the double chin. And then they're like, yeah. they'll kind of turn, flex a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tighten it up. And you know, like, oh, they're, they're watching themselves. It's funny because everyone who's listening right now knows this because we've all been in like at work, at home, <laughs> COVID mood for the last right. six months, eight months has it been? Oh, it's so you're crazy. on Zoom, right? So you're constantly yeah, people watching are yourself. Themselves in Zoom, yeah. I, I try some, if the few, <laughs> the few times I have Zoom, I try to turn it off because you're constantly yeah, like getting, right. you're like, oh, that looks weird. Something I hear. And that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm always there. Yeah, you're like kind of like looking your, you like. You see your profile, a little hair sticking up in the back and stuff. Getting your best angle. <laughs> but so yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of YouTube. So look at the lens, people. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. If you're talking, if, you're talking if you want to talk to the, the audience, audience and make a connection with the audience, the lens is their eyes. Yeah. So you got to right. look at people in the eyes if you want their connection. Right. And I actually think about that sometimes, you know, it'll stand out to me more obviously if I'm not doing it in a video or if I'm like talking about a process, right. And, and you're zoomed out on me and I'm, I'm talking and I'm kind of looking down at what I'm doing. Right. I'm like waiting for me to look up to engage <laughs> yeah. with me. And I'm like, yeah. when am I going to look at myself? Right. We've talked about that a few yeah. times. Like you're look cause you are, you'll be explaining something like right. this pencil. It's got this and this, and you're looking down and you are talking about it, but it's, you right. need to explain it. And, and continue look to look viewer, up. You got to, right. you got to talk engaging. to the person. Yeah. So you're, right. And that again, that's one of those tricks to keep people engaged, keep people like, instead of them, you know, going looking on their phone or looking at their watch or like, you know, then all of a sudden you've lost them, you know, keep them engaged by looking at them. That's a good trick. Yeah. And then that's exactly why people use teleprompters, right? The teleprompter is a a piece of glass that reflects a screen under it or above it that is right in front of the lens. Right. So you're reading the words, but the lens is shooting through that glass. Right. So the words they're reading is directly at the lens. And the, and the words and that's are why. moving. That's right. why. So you so watch, sometimes eyes, you yeah. watch SNL. They're reading cards, obviously, off right. here. And you can tell when oh, they're yeah. reading the cards. <laughs> I mean, because they don't have a teleprompter. Yeah, Devin's reading. holding up his arms, like, you know, off. miming, holding a big card. You know, right. so like they're holding cards. Uh, yeah. Right. So, yeah, we got to the end of the video, and uh, what you see in the video, it was raining that day, and we were ready. We were like, all right, here we go. We're going to shoot the bow. It's going to be great, and it, like, started just pouring down the rain, and <laughs> hey, uh, we could have been it. We could have gone out and shot the rain, but, you know, really don't want to take a bow on the rain. If you can avoid it, you know, you don't want to get the bow wood wet. We're you don't so want to get close. your bow string wet and all that stuff. So, so close to wrapping it up. <laughs> okay. Right, I'll yeah. say real quick before that, um, <laughs> we have, uh, we fig- I'm trying to figure out a way to shoot um, – you oiling things differently. <laughs> That's not sexual. <laughs> because we know we're going to get comments. <laughs> All right. I got I to gotta say something real quick. It, so it, so we're in the shop. My wife is here in the shop. She brought down some extra beers. <laughs> Little did she know we already have a cooler of beers down here. Uh, so now she's trying to laugh in the background without, uh, without being too loud. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so we got these close-up oiling shots of a, a bow, and it's I'm trying to get a good angle where it doesn't. NC-17 art of craftsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, people, I mean. Oh, yeah, I did oil it, yeah. Women get much more. No, not turned on. <laughs> yeah, no, when they get, they get. A bunch of nasty comments. A woman on anywhere oh, with comments. Right. They get yeah. a bunch of sexual comments. Right. But 
Dustin gets a bunch. I do, yeah. <laughs> if there's something like that, they'll like timestamp it. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> oil get that some. thing. Yeah, they would call me a called me a bear or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, my favorite part of the video. <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, that's a positive Good. comment. Yeah, we go through and get rid of those. <laughs> like, oh, this is a family-friendly channel. People come far. on. <laughs> so and I got, do. I think about it too. I'm like, okay, how am I going to oil this in a way that's very not sexual? <laughs> like, right. I want to use my thumb a little bit. No, no, like maybe do it thumb. like you know, hey. kind of aggressive in one spot. Hey. And, you know. <laughs> I don't know. That's doing it for Just me. Just not not a lot of like even slow stroking up <laughs> right, and down right. the wood <laughs> which is funny because you know we're doing so much like, bow, like it's bows and handles and it's <laughs> always that stroke motion perfect like six Oiled. or seven oh. eight inches you There's know no, long. Good, no good way to shoot it <laughs> oh man <laughs> so anyway we're, you're yeah. about to shoot and that was oh, yeah, one thing right. i was like don't <clears throat> don't shoot it at all yeah don't yeah. shoot it tomorrow in the morning because we got all. rained out i was like please like if it breaks that's a fine finish to the thing. Yeah, At least I get it on again. We yeah. got to see it. You can't, you see the first it can't be the next scene where it's in, in your hands, right. two halves. Like, oh, I shot last night. That's the end. Everyone's Here it like, is. Oh, like know, such right. a letdown. So just shoot it the first time on yeah, camera. See that? Devin didn't trust that it was going to work. He was expecting it to break and he wanted to catch it. I was, <laughs> I would have shot it all morning, but I, <laughs> I was no, planning. I, I, I was like, now nah, I'm not going to. I was planning for the worst and hoping for the best, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And just to say like, I have there. I have two bows that I've broken in the past while making them, and they both broke in the tillering process, not in the shooting process. Right, um, but people think, have been. Yeah, there's been. I've heard a bunch of. I think Sean know. talked to when when Sean Porter right. from Crafting Life. You're I want he talked about his disaster sh- story. Yeah, because maybe had, you take it a little bit farther back, or yep. you kind of do a weird pull, maybe. Yeah, so, right. And it just it goes, just snap. One of the comments. Um, I don't remember if I'm, it might be one of the ones that I marked down to read, but the person talks about like they. Uh, I talk a little bit about right before I shoot it. It's the next morning. I said, you always want to warm up a long bow or a self bow before you short it, shoot it. And what that means by lo- warm up, which means you want to kind of stretch it out a few times. You want to, I usually do 10, 15 half draws on the bow. So I'll, I'll string it up and then I'll draw it about halfway. Right. And then I do 10, 15 full draws before actually drawing and then releasing. Yeah. And that just like, that'll, that'll help the wood to acclimate to the new temperature that it's in. It'll also start to like relax it into that new position. Um, right. And so I talked about that and there was a comment and someone was like, I wish I would have, you know, exercised the bow that I did. He was like, I didn't. And I ended up with a handle left in my hand. <laughs> and so like both limbs broke off. Just a handle left. I was doing so that, that today with my, uh, my hickory bow in, yeah, before we shot, in my yeah. apartment. I'm, I'm doing was- it. I hear a creak like when I pulled all the way back, it was just my stupid creaky floor. <laughs> I, was, I was stepped on it. And I was like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's a crappy apartment. That's what it is. Not the bottle. Yeah. So we caught that first shot on camera and my, my like exaltation when I'm like, whoo, I like exhale and I, I'm literally like happy that it's, that it like shoots and it doesn't break. And, and honestly I said, you know, I need to put like a thousand more errors through this bow and that's a bit much, but really, hundreds. like you know, I need but to then go you, out. you yeah. did say hundreds. After yeah, I did. That. Yeah, you just have to continue, sh- continue yeah. shooting it. Right. You want to shoot it? I mean, I would go out and and you know, at the time and even now, um, we I go out fairly often, once a week, once every couple of weeks or so, um, and shoot my bow. So going to the range, shooting say eighteen or twenty uh, targets, um, and 
three, four, five errors per target. Right. You know? So putting a lot of errors through it and really like exercising the bow and oiling it and adjusting it and making sure that it's to a point where it's going to continue to shoot for years and years. Now, obviously, it could break at any time and you know, there could yeah. be some small fault in the wood that I don't see or some small spot on the back of the bow that you might get some grain lifted that I don't necessarily. So I, I inspect my bows pretty often before I shoot them to make sure I don't see mm. any big cracks or anything like that. Um, mm. I mean, I've never done that, but yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, exercising it, you're like you're saying, you were listening to it, you're hearing it. You right. Know, it's I, always good to yeah. do, right? Always exercise any self bows, especially any wooden limb bows, things like that, where you want to make sure that yeah. you kind of acclimate them to a new position. Yeah, I get, I get a little worried about mine because it's out on the sun porch. Right. Like it's super hot and it's super cold. It's at all. Actually, yeah, I'll let Dustin, uh, I brought my hickory bow that we did in the class today, and I want him to look at it and uh, critique it. So right now I'm just looking at the bow just as like a straight bow. Now we did, Devin's talking about the hickory uh, bow making class that we took. Uh, we took this class with uh, Ranger Kirk Dreyer, which I actually reached out to recently. So if you guys are listening, people who are listening to this podcast will get a little sneak peek at one of our next projects. Um, mm. uh, he was the one who taught us how to do long bows to a flat bow making using hickory um, and is actually... Um, which I've said this before in the podcast, but my wife had sent me a picture of um, an events calendar of what they were going to do at this, uh, the the local, one of the local nature centers, Oregon Ridge Nature Center. And it was a bow making class, like 40 bucks or whatever. So I reached out to all my brothers and, uh, and we, you know, we all took the class together. Um, so uh, Ranger Kirk Dreyer, led the class and he harvested all the wood. Uh, he actually has, uh, so I reached out to him recently about possibly doing a bow, make uh, another bow video using hickory. And he has some staves that he's going to give to us. So hopefully what I'd like to do is have us actually go over and, uh, meet with him socially distant and actually get mm. the bow staves and maybe talk to him a little bit about how he harvests wood, because I know he has a specific way that he does it. That is like ecologically sound and, you know, um, thinks about the effect that he's having on the environment when he's taking hickory for both staves. And right. Stuff, so, so yeah, we'll try to do that. So as Dustin's inspecting this, I'll say the end of the video, we did a bunch of slow motion shots, which were fun. And you get this really cool sound of them. Um, yeah, it, it was cool. I actually shot on my phone, just did the slow-mo shots and that was a good ending for the film and it shot well and was nice. So he's looking at it. He just strung it up. So it's pretty good. It's got um, a little bit more bend in the top limb and the bottom limb. The bottom limb's a little straighter. So it might actually be worth it to come back in and adjust this a little bit, take a little bit more material because, you know, having a different types of bends over time will, again, you know, you'll use, you'll, you will exercise the wood on the one size more than the other side. So it's going to eventually inevitably break sooner on that side because it's working harder. You think like um, how many years? I don't know. It could be could be like uh, just a number of bow shots. I mean, it's it's good. Uh, it's good enough to beat you in a in a archery competition. Okay, <laughs> all right, ten shots. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> but um, no, yeah, yeah, no, it. no. It's a yeah, it's right. a good bow and it has yeah. good good was, draw weight and everything. I was definitely yeah. I was looking yeah. at it today. It's it's off. It's not a perfect, but I think like it's. Oh, Ooh, hello. Hit my, hit the mic. <laughs> mic stand. Um, we, uh, that was my second bow. Cause I, I, I broke the first one, which oh, we've right. talked about before in the podcast. So it was just pulling back and I didn't want to take anything off. I was like, we, we've gone far enough. 
I think this one looks good. Right. I'm actually pulling out my bow from that same class now. Compare and contrast. This is like captivate, captivating podcasting. <laughs> right. This is this looks so awesome. You guys are really missing such great bow making. If only here. you could see it. <laughs> uh, so I, I did the same thing. I made a uh, a hickory self bow, so a single piece of wood made out of hickory. Um, and mine, I think, is about fifty pounds, uh, which turned out just right. And usually, I think in the class we were we were kind of aiming for forty five pounds or so. Oh, just draw. There we go. Okay. Um. Yeah, it looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, it's just like addressing the different bend in the woods. Um, You've oiled yours up since, right? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah, used, yeah, I, I've oiled my, I and I've actually anything. shot it a whole a lot of times as well. Um, but here you can see, like, your bottom limb here is, like, pretty even straight through here, a little less there, and then over here it, it goes, and it's back up. So this is where you have a lot of bend in. So it was just like what I was addressing was one, one limb is working harder. It has more bend to it. Yeah, right. And you could, right. you know, you, you'll obviously, if you take any more material off the bottom limb, it's going to take draw weight down, but it'll also even out the limb. So, right. Maybe something we work on in the shop at one point. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. It's good where it is. <laughs> it's, I've made it, I've had it. It could improve, but it could also break. So, <laughs> it's all part of the experience. So, we got the video uh, finished. So, hopefully, you guys all watch it. And if you didn't yet, hopefully, you go watch it and you weren't too bored by the, right. <laughs> the description of it. But I, um, last week, Dustin had quizzed me. About some blacksmithing stuff. So, so this oh, this week we I got go. I got a little quiz for Dustin. I do a little. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own sounds. Hang on. Oh, okay. Uh, here we go. He's reaching down for something, hiding something. Uh oh. Oh yeah. Corinne, uh, <laughs> uh, Dustin's daughter, my niece, provided the sounds or one of the sound things for me. <laughs> he just pulled out a golden turtle. Uh, um, Piggy bank. Piggy bank. Wait. Oh, you got to hold the head so you get some resonance. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's that's <laughs> going to be what uh, he gets gold. if he gets it right. And if he gets it wrong, well, I'll just oh, do it. Here we go. Um, now, these are some general, like, film, uh, uh, right. that type of stuff. My, my wheelhouse, right? <laughs> A little payback right. for embarrassing me last time. That's uh, all right. You did all right. Yeah. Well, let's see how you do. <laughs> First, we're going to start. I got your camera right. You were like, that's, that's true. my that camera. <laughs> First, bad. we're going to do um, five terms. Okay. On, on like a set or you're working on a video, so things that might come up. And what what do you think they are? All right. First one, barn doors. Barn doors are the uh, the the doors around a light that, uh, like a stage light that helps to direct the light. Hey. <laughs> hey yep. <laughs> it's not necessarily directing, but you it is, but you can if you have an like the edge of a room or something right. and you want the light only to go there, you, you slide that barn door just so it cuts it off right on a line. Okay. But so you like yeah, right. So you can kind of direct the light. Or yeah, like yeah, or no, stop you're right. where you you're want. Right. Yeah. Right. That was right. And this one you should get stinger. Stinger. Uh a stinger is it is it a a thing these are all things okay they're all things okay is a stinger a like a 
a microphone? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> a stinger is an extension cord. Oh, jeez. It's an extension cord. So get me a stinger. It's all, yeah, this is all stupid jargon. Like in any. Question is stupid. In <laughs> Give me a better question. What is that? Was, what is that when they get it wrong? There's like, what, oh, is that from a dumb question? Oh, what was it? I can't remember what it is. There's, it's uh oh shoot. I'll, I'll think about it. Got it. All Continue. right. Uh, <laughs> C forty seven. C forty seven. Now, the thing is that everything that I quizzed Devin on was things that I talked about in the video. This but is, that's okay. Is there this is okay? true. This is true. C forty seven. C forty seven. Uh, let's see, forty seven. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'll give you a tip. It's wooden. Ah, C forty seven. Wooden. Uh, I will say uh, some type of stage thing. Well, yeah, maybe, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, C forty seven is some type of clothespin. Oh. I don't know why they call it that. No, I meant like an. I when I was I was saying like uh, a stage, uh, like the, a lifted stage or something, uh, like something like a wooden stage, like an apple box or yeah, right, 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 the, whatever that is. <laughs> right, what's an apple box? <laughs> no, yeah, that's just uh, they, a lot of times it uses to, to clip gels and stuff okay. on on things yeah. that are hot and close. Yeah, yeah. C forty seven. It's just something to make new people feel dumb, <laughs> make fun of. Right. <laughs> Go get the wire bugs. Go get the uh, the <laughs> singer in the C forty seven. What an idiot. Sticks. Tripod. Hey. <laughs> and last one, craft. What is craft? Like I'm going to craft. Uh, the edit studio. Craft <laughs> is craft services where you go to get food. Ah, so any anything craft. has if you go to lunch, go to, go to craft services. Okay, craft <laughs> services that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, <laughs> I make it up. Yeah. Okay, those are the five. He's terms. making all these up right now as we're talking. <laughs> What's the twelve seventy nine foot long? <laughs> It's a type of potato. <laughs> type of potato. Uh, name the four, I won't say the most used, but okay. name me four film sizes in millimeter. Oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> 24? 36? <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing at me. <laughs> film sizes, like like frames for, are you talking about like frames per minute or whatever? No, film, film the, the width of the film. Oh. I'll give you one. Cause you, you oh, millimeter, right? Millimeter. Okay, so this is like uh, like 30 millimeter. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, 16. 16 millimeter, yes. Okay. Um, that's, kind of, that's the size that, now this is all old technology now, right. but that's the size you may, might use on an advanced film student thing back in the day, or maybe news used a lot of th- 16 millimeter. It's right. just cheaper. It's just just literally the smaller film. Okay. Uh, so what's the big one? What's the main one you think movies are made of? Fifty. No. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I owe you like 30. five fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> That's thirty-five millimeter. Thirty-five. Okay. That's the main one. It's about like an inch and a quarter wide. Right. Uh, sprocket <clears throat> holes on either side. Yep. You got sixteen. I'll okay. give you that one. Yep. There's one lower than that. 
Uh, there's, there's a cut. There's like a lot. Yeah. Eight yeah. millimeter. You can think of yeah. something like Super 8. Yeah, right. Which was, that was home movies back yeah. back when. Yeah. That's a great movie. Super 8. Yeah. And, and, and eight millimeter. L fanning. Yeah. And <laughs> they, uh, they had, eight millimeter had sprocket holes on either side. Right. And you, that's when you had a more of a four Just like by 35. That's more, yeah. That's more when you had a four by three kind of format. Okay. Like a square, like old square TVs. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. And Super 8 is the wide version. They got oh, rid of right. one of the sides of the sprocket holes and just extended it. Okay. Extended the frame over, so you had a right. wide frame. So Super 8 is, they were trying to make movies. And you have Super right. 16, actually, too, and then okay. a couple things. So you got 8, 16, 35. 35. And what's the big one? I'll give you, it's it's IMAX. You might have heard it. Oh, uh, 40. <laughs> 70 millimeters 70? 70 holy cow it's just thick so you get that's a, crazy it's just a um a, a bigger image to right. expand okay. the smaller you go with the film yeah, right. the more grain you see the the quality losses there so you could say 70 millimeter now a lot of people might correct me here it's it's like your 4k right. the image size right, when you right. scan it it's the the quality of it's up there and maybe yeah. the film would be more like a 1080, yeah, a 35 it's like you, millimeter. It's like if you took a, uh, say, like a two foot by two foot painting and you took a picture of it and then scaled it down to like a little picture on a screen, right. it would look super detailed. Yeah. If you scaled it back up, you'd see all the paint marks and things. Right. Got it. So. Okay. All right. Pretty good. All right. Kind of. It's kind of. I'm going to get like two out of five. All right. This one we've talked about. What okay. editing software do we use or do I use? Uh, you use... Um, uh, it's, um, oh, first, uh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> he's got his hand to his mouth, ready to make the fart noise. Uh, oh man, I don't know. First light. <laughs> first light. What? No, hold on. Wait, wait. Adobe. Yeah. Premiere. Premiere. What the heck was I thinking? Maybe about? you're thinking of Final Cut. Final Cut. Is that other, is what I was thinking about. Yeah. That, that's I was a, like, a fi- F two words starting with an F. Yeah. I was like, first. Yeah. Final Cut first, is. Final. is yeah, it used final to be the cut. Mac version, and now right. Premiere's kind of Premier. taken over, but yeah. they're, they're comparable. Now, for extra points, can you name any other programs in the Adobe suite? Uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, Dreamweaver. Um, Audition, yeah, what we're using, what we're right, using now. right now to record. Uh, uh, InDesign, yeah, it's a bunch. Yeah, so yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's from my my years of art school. <laughs> All the ones, but the editing. One. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Premiere. Okay. Uh, all right, we got one more. <laughs> Who's the greatest director of all time, according to you? Yeah. Uh, I know this one. He did the shining. He did. Uh, it's <laughs> Nicole knows she's waving her hands over there. <laughs> um, oh man, what's his name? Crap. <laughs> he did a clockwork orange, right? He did. See, I know, I know the movies that, that he did. I know that, <laughs> but I just can't think did apocalypse now. No, that's uh that's the other guy. Uh, uh, no, he did Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, yeah. Um, I don't remember. Rhymes with Schmanley. <laughs> uh, 
Ah, uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Schmanley Schmurrick. Schmanley Schmurrick. <laughs> I'll give you a, a tease for that. Washing clinic. Oh, movie references. Okay, there we go. I think nice. that was it. Yeah. Do I have any? No, that's it. All right. Stanley Kubrick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, I should have known that because Devin actually talked about that on uh, our podcast that we did with, we actually joined Brian House and uh, Trent Hill on the podcast. Uh, the workport podcast yeah. before we started ours. And that's when, um, uh, Brian asked us to, to talk about the person we would like to meet. If we could meet one person from history and you talked right. about Stanley. Kubrick. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. That, that is, uh, that's that trivia part for today. <laughs> uh, so what, what are we up to? Uh, I am working on, I can't remember if I talked about this last week, but I'm working on another, um, uh, a another bushcraft ac- uh, hatchet mod- modification. So for a friend of ours, I actually put a picture of it up on Instagram. Um, it's getting to the point I just need to actually hang it on a handle now. Um, but I'm working on another bushcraft axe. Uh, what am I? What else am I doing? Um, school is back in session, so I've been working. Um, I mean, it's I'm not I don't have students yet, but I'm doing all sorts of professional development and these like long days of just sitting in front of the camera and doing virtual learning. Um, I'm, uh, my daughter's birthday is coming up and she's upstairs, so she can't hear us talking about this, but I'm going to be turning a wand for her, um, out of Holly. So I got a a blank of Holly from, uh, an online source. So I'll be turning a, a wand for her, um, on a friend of ours, Brian Green. He has a a small lathe in his shop. I don't have a lathe. I actually have a a lathe that's all broken down that I need to restore, but I'll be over there this week and turn a, 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 a wand. That should be fun. I've only done, I've done a, a little bit of turning since, um, just over the years I did a little bit in college and then a little bit afterward. And then I've done some things here and there since then, little bowls and things and right. table legs and stuff, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, but so that'll be kind of fun. Um, that's one of those tools, a lathe that it really does a really specific thing that no other tool does. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the type of tools, like when people ask, people ask all the time, what should I have in my shop? Like what tools are the best tools to have? If you're going to only have a certain amount of tools and it just depends on obviously what you're going to do, but a lathe is something that you can't really do with anything else. Now you can kind of, you could chuck some stuff into your drill press and do some sanding like that if you were going to do it and that would turn mm. it fast, but it doesn't really do what a lathe does. Right. Um, so that's just one of those interesting tools that, that has like a very specific pur- purpose that not a lot of other tools can do. Now I could create i've done i've made um wands with the um with my grinders and things and just shaped them all by hand and done everything with you know with uh like files and rasp and things but um this one she's our daughter is turning 11 which is Mm. the uh the time all of your harry potter fans out there would know that if you're going to get a letter from hogwarts that tells you that you're going to hogwarts and you're a wizard (laughs) it's your 11th birthday she's gonna be so disappointed (laughs) just waiting (laughs) you say like you know know, she's got a part of hope in it yeah exactly it can be real Mm -hmm. everyone they they would say it's fake yeah exactly the books say they don't know they're muggles yeah (laughs) stupid muggle parents (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah so i'll be i'll be doing that turning her a wand yeah so uh cool speaking of kids again the, the oh, yeah. baby watch 2020 bum, bum, bum. Down to where it. are we Devin? <laughs> 10 days left to the Jeez. due date yeah. and i've been getting so many different packages every day of things <laughs> i have no idea what they are <laughs> what is this this is for 
<laughs> all the things <laughs> ice packs the for things. my nipples <laughs> pack for this one thing said uh i read the tagline it said a bidet for your vajay <laughs> i was like what what are you buying <laughs> so many things oh man so every day i've been getting something new that i've had to get explained to me what it is why it is and, <laughs> all right okay sounds sounds good <laughs> i'll be over here in this other room <laughs> yeah well that's weird <laughs> and uh that and i had to order a new prop and wing for my drone oh, right <laughs> because uh, sorry mom she flew it right into a tree <laughs> Uh, and broke it. Oh, that's so funny. I was broke the front. <laughs> I was. This is the other day. We were at my parents' house and <clears throat> helped my dude, my dad move some furniture. And Devin had brought his drone, so our daughter, my daughter Corinne, was flying a little bit. And then we were leaving, and so my mom wanted to take it out. And so Devin was kind of coaching her. She's flying around a little bit, and I was out near the car, just literally getting in the car to get ready to leave. And I hear this like, I hear the drone flying around. Then I hear. It's like hitting branches. I'm like, oh crap! <laughs> it's hitting the branches, and then I just see it fall out of the sky, like 25 feet, just boom, hit the ground. <laughs> I was like, oh man! And Devin and my mom walk up, and Devin's like, oh shit! <laughs> but my parents were great about. It. They were like, it's fine. We'll, you know, we understand. We'll pay for it. We'll right. buy you a new one. Blah blah blah. Whatever it is, we'll take care of it. So hey. fortunately, you were able to get. Yeah, so yeah. so I went online and looked. Like, you kind of, if you buy a new one, it's four hundred bucks, mm-hmm. which is on the low end for drones for the Mavic Mini. But still, it's a good bit chunk yeah, of change. Right. So, and really, we tested that. We held the wing and tested everything out. The camera movement, everything worked. Gotcha. Fine. It was just the broken left front, the plastic on it just split. Right. So I found one on Amazon for twenty eight bucks. So I ordered that. We're going to try to put it on. You got to like a soldered on or right. on the board but dad said i was like thinking i'm like who can solder like i yeah. don't know a buddy guy he didn't know and then dad's like i've done it like a thousand times <laughs> of course with the dad oh, wisdom we'll right? yeah exactly but apparently <laughs> when he worked for a, a local news station oh. a bunch of uh wires and stuff he just sat there and soldered uh their their right. extension and xlr cables yeah. and stuff so I'm going to take it up there and we're going to try to yeah. fix it. <clears throat> and Brian Green has his soldering station because he's all sorts of like. Oh, he does that too. He does, yeah. All mm. the, the computer components too. So he's got the little stuff too. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'll think about he, that. He might be a little bit more detailed oriented than our father. Yeah, dad's done it, but he'll probably just like, oh, hang on a minute. He's kind of like a, uh, like a ham fisted, you know, <laughs> like a, <laughs> let's, let's fix this with a hammer instead of <laughs> fixing it with like, a, you know, an ice pick. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, so yeah. I had that and, you know, and then we're doing some, right. I'm doing some editing and stuff. But, uh, and we just, I don't, I can't remember if we talked about this last week or not, but we just put up our video, uh, this week of the, the one hour challenge for the stool. We did a plywood stool one hour challenge. And that's the idea is that we're going to be getting two more podcasts set up so we can record with four people in the shop. Yeah, we did, we did discuss that because yeah. we were th- thinking maybe our brothers would be in for this one, but right. we couldn't that's work right. it yeah, out. We couldn't work it out this one, but hopefully, hopefully next week, next Friday, uh, we might have, uh, two more guests here in the shop with us, which would be fun. Yeah. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, we uh, we have some recommendations. I always love when people recommend recommend stuff. So yeah, I'll do. Uh, who do you got, Def? Uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. Uh, it was the book I was talking about earlier by um, S. C. Gwynn. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great book. Um, 
about in the 1800s, kind of the end. Well, they, they go way back, but it's like the end 40 years of um, kind of the the battle between the Comanche and the white settlers okay. and what happened there. So all that stuff we've been talking about the whole time. Um, this great book uh, tells both sides of the tale. Really interesting. Pretty, right. I, I guess it's, it seems historically accurate. I mean. <laughs> the best you can tell. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, at least they're, you know, like you said before, they're giving a perspective from both sides. Mm-hmm. It seems a fairly unbiased version, you know, outlook right. of the whole situation. Right. And you would hope usually when you're, when you see something that seems fairly unbiased, it's coming from, there's truth to it. You would think, I mean, there's all right. There's two right. sides to every story. Yeah, right. There's a side of people wanting to leave where they were and head West and find somewhere new. And then there's the story of someone already being there and having their lands, their lands invaded and right. moved in on and right. both sides. They're both not trying to, you know, you have the story is the, the kind of Buffalo herds getting moved and killed and shot and, right. and their, their hunting <clears throat> lands getting encroached upon right. by people and the government saying, okay, right. you can have this bit, you can have that bit, but maybe, and they're saying, well, we can't hunt here. It's like, well, you can farm. They're like, thanks. <laughs> so to the white man, that is nice. Right. We gave you a hundred acres. Farm it. Yeah. This is tons land. of land. We yeah, gave you right. a bunch of work. You families work that, but they're going, yeah, right. there's no buffalo here. We're plains. <laughs> right. We're plain <laughs> Indians. We move. We, we, yeah. that's not, that doesn't do us any good. Yeah. But it's, it's just a great story back and forth. And, uh, that's yeah. cool. Nice. It's a nice one. What's it called again? Is it? Uh, uh, the summer empire of the summer moon. Okay. Empire cool. of the Summer Moon. And that'll the rise and fall of the Comanches, the most powerful Indian tribe in American history. All right. Uh, so my recommendation this week um, is uh, a, an Instagrammer. <clears throat> His name is Johnny Jewel. Instagrammer. Uh, is yeah. that a... <laughs> it's someone who, who uh, shows stuff on Instagram. <laughs> he has 48,000 subscribers or, uh, or followers. So he's like a pretty pretty influential Instagrammer, if you will. So an influencer, uh, if you will. An influencer, right. Uh, he's a, he's a bushcrafter and a woodsman does all sorts of like primitive technology type stuff. Uh, his, his Instagram, um, the title is at simple dot woodsman. Uh, and the reason why I bring him up is because he just recently, uh, in the last couple of days has been posting about making a self bow. Uh, mm. so he does all sorts of different stuff. He's canoeing and kayaking and camping and bushcrafting all that. He does all this primitive technology stuff and building shelters and really cool stuff out of, you know, what he finds and what he, you know, can just pull from the woods. Right. Uh, but he's making, he's been doing this self bow build, um, showing steps of it on Instagram using Rowan wood. And so he actually found a piece of wood in the woods. that's fairly straight and it's the right thing. And so he harvested it and he's working it down. So it's been pretty cool to follow along and watch him go through this process, but he's just, uh, just really cool things. He does great, you know, uh, some, I mean, I follow and watch a lot of bushcraft people on Instagram and on YouTube, and he does stuff that I don't see a lot of other people doing. Um, he recently built this really cool shelter. That's like half of it is a flat roof and the other half looks like a hobbit hole doorway and it has Mm. a bed that has moss and like pine duff and everything built up and you know so he does a lot of really cool stuff but uh but yeah if you're interested follow him at simple.woodsman um he actually has a a website simple woodsman and he and two friends of his partners have come together to kind of start and put out some uh bushcrafting 
clothing and supplies, things like that as well. So they sell, but, but really his main, his main like goal and his main following is on Instagram. So at simple dot woodsman, uh, that's Johnny jewel. And if you follow him now, you'll see he's in the process of making a really cool self bow. Johnny jewel, Johnny jewel. Tell him we sent you. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. Uh, if you're interested in finding us, you can find us on all your normal pod podcasting platforms, which you've obviously heard. Uh, but we are part of the makery network. Um, and there's a lot of awesome, really, really great podcasts on the makery network, all different, uh, perspectives of people making things and their stories and, uh, just some really great talent and really great information and, uh, fun people. Yeah. And there's some exciting things we're going to do coming up with yeah. all the other makery people. So stay tuned to that. Yeah. That'd be some, some fun things in the works to really like, uh, build a community inside the makery network, which is the reason why we wanted to do this podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. Also, you can also go over to, uh, YouTube and find us, uh, the art of craftsmanship on YouTube. And if you're interested and you always want to contact us, you please send us uh, direct message on Instagram. You can ask us questions. Um, I did post a thing this week looking for some questions and we'd love to do a podcast. Uh, that's all Q and a, um, unfortunately I think we only got one person this week and actually, you know, before we go, let me, let me address that real quick. So we had one person reach out with a question and it was actually just Jesse Allison from mountain prevail. Um, and he asked, his question was, uh, Hey man, I got a question for you. Just curious if you want to ever expand and build a new bigger shop or just plan to stay in your basement shop. Uh, and my answer to that is that I love this basement shop. (laughs) It's great. It does everything I want it to do. Uh, and for the amount of money and time and effort and we're getting from, you know, our proceeds from YouTube and from, uh, and hopefully more from podcasting things like that. And people support the channel. Uh, we can outfit the shop and work in it. If we get to a point where we're like really delving in and creating, you know, content that's purely for YouTube and we can live off of that, then it might be a time to build a bigger shop or move into a different space. But, but, uh, I think one of the nice things that people like about our channel and it's not something we'll have to keep forever because people like it, but they, it's relatable. <laughs> you know, people, people understand like, Oh, I have these type of tools. I have a shop like this. Right. You can do these things in this shop. And I think there is something to that. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I don't think, I mean, I think that also comes across through the way I teach it and the tools that I use. So, I mean, I might eventually get, you know, more expensive tools and something that works a little bit better and use those tools. But I think there's also an originality to that. And there's that kind of relatability that I don't think we'll lose if we get a bigger shop. But as for now, yeah, I mean, we, this shop works great, <laughs> right? I'd love to have a big shop with all sorts of space and, you know, cool stuff, big, awesome tools. And I'd, I'd make all sorts of fun stuff, but, and that, I mean, that'll grow when the channel grows, yep. all that stuff will, will scale up when the, and you'll always be able to come back and see Dustin, Using the smaller tools and other <laughs> yeah, things. Go back and look and, at uh, the other videos, yeah. Right. And we're not going to fake it. If we get a shop, we're not going to make like a little set of a fake. It'll be a nice, cool, big shop, hopefully. But. Right, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for uh, for listening, Jesse. We appreciate the question, and we'd love to answer that again. You guys can always send us an email, uh, theartofcraftsmanship at gmail.com, and you can reach us on Instagram or send a comment through YouTube. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.